Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. We're going to start by acknowledging that there are literally uh, two different deceptions around the world. One is that Jesus is not God, and it is shared by not only um, Jewish people, but also some Christians or so-called Christian streams, such as Jehovah Witnesses. Um, and everywhere where it says in the scriptures that uh, the Lord Jesus is also part of the Godhead, he is God, of course they changed it. But also, I think one of the most amazing deceptions that we see is that Jesus never really resurrected. And, and these two things are stumbling blocks for so many people. A, they cannot imagine that God sent his son and that God came in, in, a, in the flesh to dwell amongst us and, and to see and to feel and to go through what we went through. We have, the Bible says, we have a high priest that understands us because he went through all of that. So it's hard for people to understand how loving God is to, to send his only begotten son to walk amongst us and to understand the, the nature of a sinful man and uh, of a fallen world. But also, I think that the second thing is that Jesus never resurrected. It's hard for people to understand the idea that God, God himself became as a flesh and then said, as he said in in John chapter 10, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. So you you can clearly see that um, this particular aspect of the the attribute of of God or being able to um, being able to um, give his life for us and take them uh, um, and, and give it back it, it's quite amazing I think people have hard time understanding that but we're gonna we're gonna start with Luke 24 the whole story of the resurrection is a remarkable story. Of course, Luke 24, we're talking about the last um, chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Um, And the Bible says that uh, the Lord himself um, um, resurrected. And we know that um, in verse 36, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. Wow. (laughs) I mean... This is the same Jesus they watched die on the cross. They anointed his body and and took it into the grave. And for um, almost three days, they mourn over his death. And for sure, for them, he's dead. And, And he's telling them, peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened. And suppose that they have, they've seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet. And he's showing them. And it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, peace, uh, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some um, honeycomb. And the Bible says, and he took it and ate 
in their presence. It is a very rare opportunity to see God himself trying to convince mankind that it is he who is speaking and he is who he is and he is who he said he is and it is him in flesh and blood uh, it's it's quite amazing jesus is telling his disciples look it's not my story and my theology and my gospel and my message that is alive it is not positive thinking it is not anything i personally am alive you can look at me you can touch me and you can even let me eat and see me eating it's remarkable jesus wanted his disciples to know that he resurrected from the dead that it's not an idea that is not a philosophy that is not a theology he personally resurrected from the dead physically physically he stood there in that room after he resurrected from the dead and physically Jesus said to the disciples I am he this is me why are you afraid and the bible is quite amazing the bible doesn't try to paint it in in a beautiful way the bible says that they did not believe the bible says that they they thought it's a ghost they started they thought it's a spirit they were afraid and bear in mind this is after they already know that the the tomb is empty is after the women came to the tomb and they saw that it empty and nobody believed women in those days so they ran and 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 saw it for themselves peter and john and then okay now we believe none of the things of the description was trying to make things uh look beautiful or uh, the writer of the gospel didn't even try to put a makeup on this whole thing jesus maybe even against what the disciples thought and believed in those days resurrected from the dead that's why i believe that when job's when job wrote in in chapter 19 for i know that my redeemer lives i believe that we must remember that it is beyond the theology and beyond the philosophy and it's beyond the positive thinking He wants us to know that he is alive and allow me even to add without that piece of information that he's alive our entire faith is not going to hold water how our entire life as Christians worth nothing if he's not alive that's why if there is one thing he puts so much effort in convincing the world that happened is the resurrection i want to tell you something uh i think that nobody really neither the jews nor the gentiles neither the believers nor the non-believers no one doubt that jesus ever came to this world and lived here no one even doubt that he died in fact everybody agrees on all of these things now again some people reject his deity and in his divinity others reject the resurrection but they all agree that he came to the world but jesus is trying to tell his disciples by the way he didn't go out to the whole world first thing he actually came to his own disciples and he said to them i am alive you need to know that you do not believe in a dead messiah You, God is not dead. That's what he was trying to tell the world. And he says if you don't believe that, how can you ever convince the world that it's the truth? You first not only need to know, but you need to believe that I am alive. And we're going to have some mileage here, you and I. 
because I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to go up to heaven and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and, but I will be with you at all time. But, but first, you need to know that I am alive. This is amazing. Now, some of you are asking yourself, wait a minute, so what's the story of the exact day of the crucifixion if the resurrection took place on Sunday morning? I want to tell you something. First of all, there's two schools of teachings. One that is clinging on to that which is written in so many places that he was resurrected, though he was raised on the third day. Not on the fourth, but on the third. By the way, even the prophet um, Hosea said that. So um, it is possible that Jesus actually was crucified at 9 a.m., died at 3 p.m., and it's still considered Friday. And then at 6 p.m., Saturday began. That's already the second day. And at 6 p.m. Saturday, Sunday began, and that's the third day. So the night between Saturday and Sunday, if he resurrected then, it is already enough to fulfill they're resurrected on the third day. Now, some of you, and rightfully so, you can say, wait a minute, but Jesus himself said about this very um, adulterous and, and, and unbelieving generation that wants to see signs. Well, uh, the sign of Jonah, uh, the prophet who was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will be the Son of Man in the belly of the earth, three days and three nights. So some of you are saying, wait a minute, if it has to complete three days and three nights, then this, the Friday crucifixion won't be enough. You need to do it on a Thursday. Then, of course, we have the whole story of the Sabbath. Was, it, was the Sabbath only the Sabbath or was it a double Sabbath? What is a high Sabbath? What is a grand Sabbath? It's very interesting. We put so much effort in arguing on the day of the crucifixion that we completely belittle the act of the resurrection. And I personally think, it's almost like people are asking me, Amir, where do you believe Jesus was uh, was crucified and buried? Because in Jerusalem, there's two sites. In Jerusalem, you have the site or the crucifixion site that is held by the traditional Christian streams, which is in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And there is uh, the um, one that is more accepted by the, um, by the evangelicals, which is the garden tomb. Personally, I believe it's a garden tomb, but it's, it's really meaningless. Why? Because who cares where it was? Think about it. Think about it. What we care is not about his death as much as about his resurrection. If Jesus would have been still dead, then I understand why we need to go and visit the grave. But if he is alive, then the tomb is empty. Then why am I going to argue about the location of the tomb when the tomb is empty? My point is this. If anything, we need to pay attention not to the exact moment of the crucifixion, we need to pay attention to the actual crucifixion itself. And we need to pay even more attention to the resurrection. You must understand Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He was telling them. First, he told that um, the angel told the women, I mean, he, that he is alive, as he said. And then Jesus himself to the two disciples who walked on the way to Emmaus said, you're slow of heart to believe that which the prophet has said. And he exposed to them and expounded on all the things that are written in, in the law of Moses, in the Psalms, and in the prophets concerning him. And, and then, of course, he's telling um, the people before he's going up to heaven, the Bible says, And these are the things, the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So, so we must understand that Jesus is telling the world, I am not the fruit of the imagination. I am not a coincidence. I am not an accident. I am not a tragedy. 
I came to fulfill the perfect will of God the Father, and I came to fulfill all that was written regarding concerning me by the prophets and the Psalms and in the law of Moses. Jesus speaks. The question is, do we ever listen? You know, when you look in 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 uh, uh, both in in uh, Matthew chapter 16 and also uh, in 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 um, Luke 24 here you see that the disciples who physically walked with Jesus were not really believers they 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 didn't really believe as much as by the way the um the enemies of Jesus did it's very interesting you know i'm thinking about it that um i'm thinking about how um how important it is uh, the bible the bible says that in in um in the um the, in the gospel it says that the people said you must guard that tomb because that man said that he will resurrect on the third day isn't it interesting that the enemies of jesus had more faith or more they pay more attention to the words that he said regarding his resurrection than his disciples themselves. It's, it's uh, quite interesting how all of that. You see, the disciples were not believers. You know, they saw Jesus every day. You know, I'm thinking about the, the definition of, of faith that uh, the writer of, of Hebrews wrote. And, and we know that uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Think about it. The disciples saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. And yet, they had a hard time believing. How much more we should believe think about it we the, the faith is the substance of things uh, the uh, the evidence of things not seen you don't have to see jesus now to believe in jesus because those who saw him 2000 years for the most part did not believe in him and um and it's interesting because um jesus when he said those things he says these are the words which i spoke to you that all things must be fulfilled. I always, when I read those verses, I always tell my my audience, let's say together, must be fulfilled. All things must be fulfilled. I want to tell you something about Jesus' resurrection and about the gospel. The Messiah is not in your feelings. The, if you want to to understand who the Messiah is, what the Messiah is all about, it's not about feelings, it's not about music, it's not all these things are great, but the Bible, the scriptures, this is where he himself directed everyone. If you want to understand who I am, go and read the word of God. It is written in the law of Moses of me. It is written in the book of Psalms about me. It is written in the prophets about me. Now, it's up to you if you believe or not. They said those things long before I came. And I came in, in to fulfill all of those things. Jesus is indeed in the law of Moses. From the very, very beginning, the true light of the world in Genesis 1, God called the light to step in and to shine at the very beginning. Yet He only created the sun and the moon on the fourth day. Who was the light of the world? if not Jesus himself. That's why in the book of Psalms, we, we read in Psalm 72 that before the sun was, his name was there. That's why the Bible says it in Revelation that at the very end, when he will make all things new, there will be no more need for the moon and the sun and the stars, for the Lamb of God will be the menorah, the light of those days. So he was, is, and will be the light of the world. What about the book of Psalms? The Messianic, there's 16 Messianic Psalms. They are the blueprint of the salvation all over. And it's amazing. 
Jesus is all throughout the, new, the, the book of Psalms. What about the prophets themselves? The prophets talked about the separation from God in Isaiah, the promised solution, the New Testament in Jeremiah, the miraculous birth in Isaiah, the rejected first coming, the suffering, the sacrifice, even the victorious entrance to Jerusalem and their return, the second coming. All of that is in the books of the prophets. Jesus is also all throughout the festivals that God prescribed for the people of Israel to celebrate in memory of what He Himself did with them. He is the Passover. He is the one that you could find no sin in Him, the unleavened bread. As we will learn, the first Sunday after Passover is the, is the, the feast that is called in Leviticus 23, First Fruits. And the Bible says that Jesus indeed became the first fruits. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, became the first fruits from among those who fell asleep. The feast of Pentecost was, was uh, fulfilled. He's all throughout the feasts of Israel. Some were fulfilled, some are being fulfilled, and some will be fulfilled. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, But now... Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ marked the beginning, the beginning of the what I call first resurrection. Because there's two different types of resurrections. There is the first resurrection, which is the believers. Jesus started it. He's the first fruit. Then, of course, we're going to have the resurrection at the time of the rapture. Then the resurrection of the saints of the tribulation. And, of course, at the very end, we see those uh, saints of the Old Testament. And, of course, that's the first resurrection. The second resurrection is the one of the all those who died in the history. The Bible says that all of them will be resurrected and they will be judged before the Lord. So there will be, he's the one, the first fruit from those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Again, those who belong to him, all shall be made alive. Alive, but each one in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, afterwards, those who are Christ's at his coming. So, so Paul is saying, Hey, there is order even in the resurrection, Christ is the first one. So, probably some of you are saying, Wait a minute, I thought that uh, Lazarus resurrected first. Yes, but Lazarus died, Lazarus died again. You see, Jesus is the first one who defeated death and resurrected from the dead and never died again. That is what we are going to experience when we are going to be taken out of here. The dead in Christ, those who, those amongst us that will die and before the, the, the rapture, uh, hopefully not too many, you will resurrect and never die again. All the saints who all the believers ever since Jesus, whoever died, once they resurrect, they will never die again. So the first resurrection is super important. It is divided to three. Jesus first, then those, the Bible says, those who are Christ's at his coming, which is in the rapture. And then, of course, we have the resurrection of the saints of the tribulation. So we see that Paul dedicated in his letter to the Corinthians a full chapter in regards to the importance of the, the, our faith in the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, this is one of the most important uh, chapters in Corinthians. Of course, there's so many of them. But if you really think about it, it's almost at the very end of the, the epistle. He, he basically says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that 
gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, but which also you are saved if you hold fast that that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He's saying, watch this. I'm going to talk to you about something, but if you don't believe in it, you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Look, it says the third day. He rose again the third day. You're probably asking, why is it so important that he said that he rose again on the third day? And, and again, he always, always said that he came to fulfill the words of the prophet. So one of the prophets that actually spoke several times about Jesus and about the, uh, the, the coming of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is the prophet Hosea. And the prophet Hosea wrote something very profound when it comes to the uh, first coming and also to the resurrection of Jesus. Something uh, I know that a lot of people don't know that. And so allow me to, to read that to you. The prophet Hosea, right before Amos. So here it is. So he says in chapter um, in chapter. 515. Look what he says. In chapter 5, verse 15, Hosea wrote this. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek me, my, seek my, they will seek my face. And in their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Unbelievable. He says, wait a minute. I'm not dead. I'm just returning. Back to my place. Until the sinners will acknowledge their offense. I think that obviously Hosea speaks about Israel. In this case. But he's speaking about the Messiah. And he's saying unfortunately. Only in their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. Of course he's hinting here. About the great tribulation. About Jacob's trouble. That eventually will cause all of Israel to be saved. But think about it. God is not dead. <laughs> He says, I came down and I'm going to return again to my place until they acknowledge their offense. And isn't that interesting that right after that, right after that, he said the following thing. And that's why it's important that Paul wrote about the third day. He says, come and let us return to the Lord in Hosea 6, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. The concept of two days being dead and then on the third to be raised up. And that's why when, when the Bible speaks of being resurrected on the third day, even that is to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets themselves. Hosea, by the way, wrote so many things as, as, we, just, as we just read. And in, in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, Hosea wrote the following thing. He said, I will ransom them from the power of grave and I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be your, your uh, plagues. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Isn't that interesting how in the Old Testament you see how death is to be defeated, the grave is to be defeated, and all of that was said hundreds of years before Jesus came. And when he came, he said, guys, I came to fulfill all the words that were spoken in the law of Moses, in the uh, Psalms, and of course, in, in the uh, book of the prophets. Even Isaiah, the prophet, in chapter 25, verse 8, you can see Isaiah himself 
wrote the following thing. He said, and uh, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, the rebuke of his people. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Swallow up death forever. Isn't that beautiful? It's interesting, you know, Jesus himself said, in order to be able to give life to so many, one must die first. And it's interesting, he, he gave this illustration in John 10, 17, Jesus, uh, Jesus said this, Therefore my father, actually in John 12, um, he, he said this about, about the kernel uh, or the seed. Um, he said the following thing regarding... Um, re regarding this, um, isn't it interesting? He talked about how a kernel must die first, and then here it is. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from the hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Um, in it's and it's beautiful how, how he said that. Um, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up in, in to worship them. And then they came to Philip who was uh, from Bethsaida of Galilee and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew and turned Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But it is, if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. So he speaks of the fruitful grain of wheat. And it's very interesting because... Um, a couple days ago, somebody sent me a picture of um, a palm tree. And I thought, okay, that's a nice palm tree. It's fairly young. And then he said, you won't believe, Amir, what this palm tree is all about. I said, what is it? And he said, well, the seed that brought life to this palm tree is actually a seed of a, of a date that we found on top of Masada from the time Jewish people lived in Masada. You know, 2,000 years ago, in the year 73 AD, Jewish people lost the battle there on top of, of that mountain, middle of the desert called Masada. And when the excavators came in the 1960s, they found tons of things. They found combs and sandals and hair. They found scrolls with Bible verses. They found so many coins, found many things. But among the things they found was some date pits. And you would think, well, it's a date pit. Well... That date pit had to die. And then 2,000 years later, it brought life. It's not amazing that even 2,000 years after Jesus' death, he can still, by his resurrection, and by the power of his resurrection, he can give you life even today. I find it amazing. Now comes... Um, a very interesting thing, and I, I really want you to pay attention to this one. Are you, re are you with me? On the Time magazine, on the front of Time magazine, um, from um, 1982, uh, excuse me, on May 7th, 1979, it says, um, it's not on the front, it's actually inside, uh, it says, a Jewish perspective on the resurrection of Jesus. A Jewish, a, a man uh, called Pinchas Lapid, who is a Jewish theologian and historian, he was also working for the foreign ministry. He wrote, and the guy's a religious Jew, he wrote uh, in, in his book about the resurrection of Jesus. And you know what he wrote? I was, I was amazed. I was super amazed. You know, I'm, I'm so used to people um, trying to, um, 
defy and 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 uh, and reject the essence of the resurrection. And you know what Pinchas Lapid said? He said, "I believe." With all of my heart. I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not a believer in Jesus. I don't think he is the Messiah. But I can tell you one thing. The evidences are that he resurrected from the dead. And, and people started asking, what, what do you mean? You don't believe in him as God. You don't believe in... But you really, truly believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? And you know, those type of things... You as believers and I as a believer, we're used to it. People come to us. Do you really believe in all of this that that he resurrected? And it, it, we, of course, we believe that. That's the cornerstone upon our which our faith is is built. But but this is a Jewish guy who does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Yet he believes that Jesus resurrected. And and when they ask him, so what are the evidences that you base your belief that he resurrected upon? And he says. First of all, the resurrection is a Jewish doctrine. There is not even a single Jew that should tell you that there is something weird about resurrection from the dead. Every Jew believes that when Messiah comes, the dead will rise. The resurrection from the dead is something embedded in Jewish theology. So he said, well, that's, I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not that weird to believe that there is a resurrection. But then he said something very significant. Then he said, none of the disciples or the women believed that Jesus would rise. In other words, that convinced him. It convinced him that he really rose from the dead. Because it's not like there was a set doctrine that the New Testament is trying to teach the world. None of them believed. In other words, the, the gospel puts humans in a very bad shape and bad, even though they were the disciples, even though they were, the, they are not in a great light. They're not at all. They did not believe in his resurrection, even though he stood amongst them. They found it hard to believe that Jesus resurrected. That actually convinced a Jewish historian and theologian that he indeed resurrected. The fact that the, the gospel will even say that women went to the tomb and they're the ones who first found out that he's resurrected. I mean, if you want to establish a case, you don't send women first. You send the men. But the women went there first. You know why? Because that's the truth. It, you, you, you can't change history. The women there were there first. The honesty that the gospel reflects and projects was so profound that that Jewish theologian says it has to be true then of course he said that the transformation of the band of disciples definitely proves that he resurrected in other words when when you read the gospel and you read the book of acts you see in the very end of all the gospels stricken defeated, sad, and beaten group of disciples. You see, one betrays him, one doesn't believe anything, one is too afraid, one is, uh, is, uh, is uh, um, denying him. I mean, unbelievable. It's not a pretty picture. Yet, start with Acts chapter 1 and more so Acts 2 and 3 and read throughout the book of Acts. The transformation of the band of disciples is based upon the fact that they saw him alive. That they realize he is alive. Remember, when, when they didn't know that he's alive, when they didn't understand that he's alive, they went back to Galilee, they went back to fish and they caught nothing. They didn't understand anything. But when they realize, they, they believe in a living God. Just like Job realized. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I don't think. I don't imagine. I don't, I don't suspect. I don't have positive thinking. I know that my, my Redeemer lives. You know. This makes the difference in the life of a Christian. This, this thing. The knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus. You see unfortunately. Too many Christians around the world are caught up with 
I think, I suspect that he rose from the dead. I think Jesus loves me. I think I might have eternal life. I think he might return back. I hope he will return back. Guys, the Bible says these things will tell you that you will know that you have eternal life. I know that my Redeemer lives. That changed everything for Paul, but more so going back, it changed Peter, and it changed John, and it changed Andrew, and it changed James. It changed them completely from people who were so afraid, who were so defeated, who went back to Galilee to fish. Now they preach the gospel all around. They preach it in Jerusalem. They preach it in the steps of the temple. They stand before rulers. They stand before uh, a priest. They stand before uh, the nation. And they're not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power. What power if he's dead? The power is because he is alive. The power of his resurrection. And unfortunately, if you are living your life in that gray area of not being sure, of not knowing, maybe suspecting, maybe thinking, maybe hoping, then you'll never have that unbelievable transformation in your life. Isn't that interesting? You know, if you know that Jesus is alive and he's right there, would you care more about what the others say than what Jesus say? Would you care more not to offend people if you share the gospel or not to offend Christ if you deny him before them? Think about it for a second. Unbelievable. The Bible says in Revelation 20 verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Remember, we talked about it. The first resurrection is the one that started by Jesus, as First First Corinthians fifteen says. He's the first, but then all those who belongs to Christ. So blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Do you want to reign with him throughout the millennial kingdom? <laughs> then you have to be resurrected. And unless you believe in him who resurrected, you cannot resurrect yourself. The Bible speaks of two resurrections. There's the resurrection of those who belongs to Jesus and there's the resurrection of all the rest of the world. You want to be in the first resurrection because the second one is too late. At the end of the thousand years uh, uh, millennial kingdom, all human beings in the history, the Bible says that even the sea will give his death all the way back and they will all stand before the Lord. And so my point is, if we want to reign with him for a thousand years, we have to resurrect with him. If we want to resurrect with him, it's only if we believe that he resurrected. The Bible says in John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. By the way, this is in John 11. This is the first time, in my opinion, that Jesus is hinting of the rapture of the church. Why? Because the verses that are speaking about the rapture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52 and 53, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, both cases speak of how the dead in Christ will rise first, and we that are alive and well will be caught up in the air with them. In other words, those who died in Christ will resurrect, and those who are alive will never die. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I am, which is God, the resurrection and the life. In other words, not only that I give life, but I also give resurrection. 
I give the resurrection to those who died while believing in me, and I give that eternal life to those who already are alive when I come. Though he who believes in me, though he may die, just like the Thessalonians, they were thinking, Paul taught us the first time he was there, he taught us that we're not going to die. And then some, some of us die, so are, are we going to lose in this battle? And, and Paul wrote them and said, don't be like those without hope. Because I'm telling you, the dead in Christ, I don't want it to be a mystery. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive will never die. As Jesus said, he who may die shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. The key here is believe in me. He who believes in me, though may die, he shall live. He who ever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe. Don't only believe that Jesus came. Believe that he died. Believe that he resurrected. Our faith does not stop on the cross. This is the one thing I wish all of my Catholic friends will understand. When you enter into a church and you see the crucifix, it's as if it stopped right there. Jesus is no longer on the cross. He was there for, um, from, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for six hours. But he is alive and he lives ever since. And the cross is no longer with anyone on it. Jesus is alive. And in, in, in some cultures, it's all about Mary and, and baby Jesus. And I always say, Jesus grew up. He's not a baby. The beauty of Jesus is the fact that he grew up to be that who came to fulfill all the word of God concerning the Messiah. And then he did come and then he did preach the good news and he did die for our sins and he was buried and he resurrected. So, our symbols sometimes reflect of what we put the emphasis on. And we must remember the tomb is empty. That's why I don't care if it's here or there. I believe it was the garden tomb, but it's meaningless. That's not what our, our faith is based on. So my point is this. He not only said, I am the resurrection... But Jesus is trying to get the attention of the whole world. I'm coming back. And when I come back, unless you believe in me and in my resurrection, because I am the resurrection and the life, you have no part in me. And you will not be able to resurrect yourself and be part of the um, rapture of the church. The epistle to the Philippians um, Paul writes to the Philippians, and, and, and he writes to them something uh, quite profound. And he said to the Philippians the following thing regarding, um, regarding himself. Paul writes to the Philippians right after uh, he writes to the um, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians. He says in Philippians 3, and I'm, I'm going to read from verse 4, Paul said the following thing. He said this, he said, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning uh, zeal, uh, persecuting the church concerning the righteous, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, he said. These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ 
and he be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Of course, the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain, I uh, may attend to the resurrection from the dead. He said, look, for me, it's not just Christ himself. It's the fellowship of his suffering and, of course, the power of his resurrection. Isn't that interesting how we are the new priests? When we raised from the dead, when we are now on a different realm, Christ is giving us, is showing us the need for a new priesthood. And, and that's, that's who he is in Hebrews 7, 16. So, my point is this, and, and I hope I make sense to all of you. The resurrection is very Jewish and is very biblical. Jesus resurrecting on the first day of the week is fulfilling the requirements from the prophet Hosea. Jesus being raised from the dead the first Sunday after Passover. Now, whether you believe Passover was Thursday or Wednesday or Friday, doesn't matter. The Bible says the first Sunday after Passover, it was first fruits. And Jesus, as we read, was the first fruits from amongst those who fell asleep. And if you belong to Jesus and you believe in him, you understand that all of your faith means nothing unless he was raised from the dead. The resurrect. Look, of course the life of Jesus mattered. And the death of Jesus was necessary. Unless, unless a kernel is dead first, he cannot produce life. But the resurrection is what makes everything different and unique. You see, you, you, all the other religions, they, they, they believe in dead people. We believe in living God. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he wants to reveal himself to you today. He wants to reveal himself to your family today, to your friends today, to your people today, to your country today, to your city today. And you need to understand that your faith is in vain if he is not alive. One more thing that, that Jesus said in regards to uh, some sort of uh, running in vain or... or or our faith is in vain, is that if we live life and we don't share the gospel, Paul said, I'm afraid that I, am, I may have run the race in vain. In other words, not only that it's important that we believe in the resurrected Lord, but we need to share it. If you don't believe, your faith is in vain. If you don't share it, your race, your run, is in vain. It's important that we understand that. So I want to encourage all of you today. Jesus, Yeshua is alive. This is the most important thing that we can think of and, and, and emphasize in, in this whole thing. You know, when Paul wrote his epistle to the Corinthians, in that same 15th chapter that he dedicated to this whole thing, Paul said the following thing. He said, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that he is not resurrected of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, 
whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and, and are still in your, and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, all of those who died while believing, all of them, they have perished. And in this life only we have hope in Christ, where of all men the most pitiable. He says, if you think that believing in Jesus is just for this life, that there is no resurrection, that he never raised or was raised from the dead, then I feel pity for you. That's how I feel. That's how he felt when he wrote that. Paul said, he started, he said, he said, Jesus in the same chapter says, Jesus himself not only died for our sins, but he resurrected, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then he was seen by, by Kepha, by, by, by Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to this present. But some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James and by all the apostles. Then of course last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Paul says Jesus not only was raised from the dead, but people saw him. Peter saw him. John saw him. Andrew saw him. James saw him. And Peter, even Peter, people later on saw him. And hundreds of people saw him. Most of them still like, go and ask them. But don't ever say that, are you, that you believe in Jesus even though he's dead now. Because you're, you're pitiful. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, he felt pity. He felt sorry for anyone who believes that Christ is dead now. He says, I'm sorry, but all of this is nothing. Your life is not about believing in someone who was a good man, who was a good preacher, who was a good teacher, who was a, a healer, who was a, a great man. And he, he died, but he left us a great legacy. No, legacy doesn't have hands and legs. Jesus said, touch my hands, touch my legs. Legacy doesn't eat broiled fish. He ate that fish right in front of them. It's not a theology. It's not a, 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 a um, um, some sort of um, thesis. It's not some sort of an idea. It's him, himself, alive and well. And that same assurance that he is alive, he wants you to have for yourself. He wants you to know you will be alive. He had to die first and resurrect, being the first fruits. And then the Bible says, all that are of Christ are part of that first resurrection when he comes. And that's when he comes to take us. And if that's not what you believe, then I'm sorry for you. I'm telling you, your entire faith is based on nothing. Jesus did not come to this world just to give you way and truth, but also life. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and life in abundance. Jesus came and died so we will live. And it's not just this life in this world right now. This is nothing. If I die tomorrow, don't cry over me. Trust me, I'll be dancing in the presence of the Lord. I'm not dead, I'm alive. The assurance of our life after death here is what makes us so different. And we're not going and killing people and blowing up ourselves in order to see 72 virgins. No, we're called to serve. We're called to be servant just like he was. We're called to, to um, go to the four corners of the world and share the gospel. We're called to give the other cheek. We're called to, to be people that reflect God. We're not all about that which is flesh and lust that awaits for us in heaven. No, we can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord and be with Him and serve Him 
And, and, and just like those 24 elders, which I believe represents the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, those 24 elders, when they receive their crowns and then they put those crowns at the feet of Jesus, this is a picture of what we are going to go through in that amazing, amazing uh, um, event. You know, the Bible says, seek the things which are above. We need to think about the, the moment of our rapture, but also, you know, everybody is excited about the rapture. But the rapture takes twinkling of an eye. The last trumpet, boom, we're, we're gone. But what is it after that? Boom, we're in the presence of Jesus. Now that's what we need to think about. We need to think about, okay, how did my life go? What did I do in this life for him? The, the, the things I said and the things I did Will that be um, tested and in fire and, and still remain? Uh, am I going to receive crowns and rewards and so I can give it back to him? Wow. But it first starts with, do you believe in any of the greatness of your, I don't know, what Paul says here in Philippians, he said, Look, uh, in the flesh, I have all things to be boastful about. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, an un, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jew, I'm a circumcised on the eighth day, I'm a Hebrew, I, I'm a tribe of Benjamin, I'm a Pharisee, I had the law, I, everything was perfect. And I did my duty and I persecuted the church. But now, I count all these things as rubbish compares to the knowledge of Christ, but not, not just the knowledge of Christ, but to know Him crucified, and then to know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Wow. Remember that. Remember that. Unless you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you will not be resurrected. We do not worship a dead Messiah. And Paul wrote that to the Corinthians. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you that. But if you, some of you, think that he never raised from the dead, all of your faith worth nothing. So that's why I believe Resurrection Sunday is the single most important thing. Because this is the cornerstone upon which our entire faith is based, is built. Remember, he is the first fruits, which means we come later. We are the next. We are about to be taken out of here. And if some of us died, they're going to be resurrected. And if we will die tomorrow, I don't know. If something happens, if I'm dead, I will resurrect. I have that assurance that I will resurrect when he comes. And that assurance has to be yours. I don't know if you fight, if you battle a deadly disease, if your family member fights something. If, if you don't have the assurance of the resurrection, then your entire faith is based on nothing. But if you do have it, then you understand that this life is nothing compared to what we're going to have later on. The Bible says, no ear has heard, no eye has seen. It didn't even come into the minds and the hearts of people, the goodness that God has prepared for His people. The mansions that He went to prepare for us. And that's why He's there. Not only interceding for us, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but He's there to prepare a place for us. And we are going to be there. Believe it or not. You better believe it. Because if not, you won't see it. My faith is Hebrews 11.1. 1 is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the power of the resurrection of Jesus. That changed everything. He came to fulfill all that was written in the law of Moses, in the prophets and the Psalms, concerning him. He had to die and resurrect on the third day. He had to go back until his people will acknowledge their offense.
and in their affliction they will earnestly seek him, and he will come and save them. We thank you, Father, that Jesus resurrected from the dead and has become the first fruits from among those who fell asleep. And that blessed and holy is the one who takes part in the first resurrection. We thank you for this first fruits resurrection, for the mighty resurrection of Jesus from the dead, so we will have a declaration that death and grave have been defeated. They were swallowed. They were taken and stricken and smitten and they're gone. For us, death means nothing. It's already been taken care of. For us, the assurance of our resurrection is already there. If we believe in his resurrection. I thank you and I bless you today. And we say that in the matchless and the most beautiful name of Yeshua, the Messiah, of Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, the one that we need to uh, look upon if indeed we have been resurrected because we were dead in our transgressions and sins. As Colossians 2 says. But if we have been resurrected while we're still alive, how much more we thank you for the promised resurrection from the dead. Because death is something that happens ever since Adam and Eve sinned. Death came to the world. But thank you that through Jesus, that death is no longer having power over us. We thank you, and in his name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. 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 <sighs> wow. I feel like uh, two tons were lifted off my shoulders right now. Satan did not win here. I, uh, I struggled to give this message. I had so many things that happened in my house, so many things that happened in the family, so many things that happened around me, some so much spiritual warfare, and I'm so glad that I was able to share that with you. Thank you. God bless you. And don't forget to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our newsletter through our website, beholdisrael.org. Follow me on Instagram, beholdisrael, one word. Thank you. I love you. And um, God bless you all. Shalom from Galilee. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.